Welcome, everyone, to Game Week, officially for BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew Armand, with my usual cohorts and uh, co-hosts, Thomas the Wizard Watts from the port city of Mobile, keeping us on the air, doing a great job. He's going to have some outstanding takes and some thoughts on this Alabama football team as they head into their first full game. Uh, We had week zero this week, but Alabama, of course, was off. Had a little bit of a walkthrough and had an interesting week of practice. And, of course, we're going to get some thoughts, too, from William Redfish Barger from from 89 to 93, a national champion and a key part of the Crimson Tide. And we'll have our thoughts on what could the depth chart look like, because as everybody knows, tomorrow's or day, or as I like to say, uh, depth chart Monday uh, at Alabama. It'll be interesting to see how many ors are on the depth chart, and not Rodney, by the way. Shout out to Rodney Orr. But uh, uh, our good friend of all of ours. But uh, we know there'll be a lot of them. I, it'll be a usual game week. Coach Saban should be speaking around noon. Uh, but uh, we're going to have some thoughts now as Alabama gets ready uh, to uh, take the field coming up uh, on Saturday inside Bryant Denny Stadium. Thank goodness it'll be a night game because it's certainly been hot. I did a broadcast on Friday night, Randolph Raider football, and I probably lost five pounds. It was uh, just oppressively hot. And, William, uh, I know uh, you, uh, of course, we appreciate you for rejoining us. Uh, I know this generation doesn't really understand uh, what you guys went through back when I guess it was three-a-days, but this has been an oppressively hot training camp. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, um, you know, I think in this part of the country, you know, we get one of these heat waves every five to seven years where it's just, you know, the, the, at least for me anyway, you know, the month of August is never pleasant weather-wise under normal circumstances. But, um, you know, this year we've gotten one of those, you know, it wasn't really kind of wrapped up with a drought. I think we got enough rain earlier this summer to um, avoid those conditions. But, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the boys had to, you know, watch out for cramps and make sure they got properly hydrated and, um like i said we talked about this last week i mean just standing outside walking around you know when it's 110 degrees with the heat index will you know suck the life out of you much less practicing in it for two and a half hours so like i said i'm sure they're glad school got started um you know last week and and they got into their you know normal monday through friday practice schedule and um you know which indicates they're practicing in the afternoons after school and stuff so um this is their you know their actual game week and um you know that's another thing for the newcomers to you know adjust to and um you know it's good to you know i think you know from a weather standpoint at least this thing's going to be a somewhat night game um at least for the second half uh this saturday against mtsu but you know a lot of things to look forward to and you know, hopefully the, the guys handle their, their their business well. Yeah, we'll see, no doubt. And, uh, Thomas, I know you were kind of taking a look at Middle Tennessee as we were about to come on the air. Uh, this is a team that's uh, had a head coach for many, many years uh, in Rick Stockstill, who uh, has been there a long time. Uh, they're coming off of an 8-5 and five season, so they were pretty good uh, in their league, uh, you know, as far as when you're talking about uh, the Conference USA. But, again, it's – to me, it looks like it would be a perfect uh, opening opponent, though. I mean, somebody that's going to be decent and should have a, has a chance to be a pretty good football team, maybe a bowl team. But at the same time, Alabama should easily, uh, you know, out-talent this squad and should be able to work on some things and get a lot of guys some time on the field and some reps. Absolutely, Drew. And, yeah, uh, Middle Tennessee, probably in the top half of Conference USA last year, and, you know, decent emphasis, decent G5 team. We'll see how that transforms this year. And you're right that Rick Stockstill has basically been there since the beginning of time for all intents and purposes. And, you know, you talk about when, when I'm thinking about this game, and I ha- I'm talking to all kinds of folks, and it's funny. My dear mother's like, what are you going to say on BAM's radio today? And, <clears throat> you know, we, we just grabbed lunch. And the thing I'm going to say is, the absolutely ideal case for this game for the Alabama Crimson Tide is, you know, a couple of quick touchdowns, you know, run the Tommy Reese offense, the balanced, you know, good running offensive lines, blowing the 
uh, MTSU defensive line off the ball. So, you know, one thing I would keep an eye on is yards before contact for running backs. But once Alabama gets up, you know, 14, 17, 21 points, hopefully, you know, midway through the second quarter at the latest, just punt on trying to be balanced and just throw the ball around the yard because that's going to be the important thing, getting that side of the game to continue to develop. Because, you know, we kept hearing things coming out of the scrimmage uh, two Saturdays ago, and one of them was there's trouble with pass sets for this Alabama offensive line. Now, admittedly, some of that is because you're trying to pass block Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. But, you know, I hope they kind of turn it into a scrimmage where we're going to work on XYZ thing. You know, spoiler alert to our listeners, Alabama's favored by 39.5 points. I'm not sure that they cover that, but I actually don't care if they cover that. I will be perfectly content if in a week from today – we're looking at a five, six, seven yard per carry average with running backs not getting hit until they're in the second level pretty consistently. Under three to four penalties and a fairly efficient thing. I know the defense can just bl- blow Middle Tennessee State off the field, Drew. So there's a lot of stuff to look forward to with this game. Yeah, uh, Coach Stockstill has been there since uh, this is his 18th season, uh, 109 wins, and he's been to 10 bowl games. So. Uh, he's kept them very competitive. Uh, and of course, he's seen them transition into a full-fledged. Uh, and by the time he got there, they had made the transition, I should say, to full-fledged Division One status uh, in FBS. Uh, they were a very good FCS program under Boots Donnelly for many years when I was growing up. But certainly, he's a two-time Sun Belt Coach of the Year uh, when they were in that league. And now... Uh, was uh, just recently in 2018 the Conference USA Coach of the Year. So, they, you know, they'll you have to come out and execute, no doubt about it. But I, I agree. I mean, I think it's an opponent that Alabama should be able to handle. And the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see if Alabama is suffocating defensively. I want to see them completely shut, you know, uh, Middle Tennessee down. I'd like to see a shutout here. Uh, I, I love the way this defense has been attacking uh, in the spring practice and fall camp that I when you know, we've had, when we've, the, 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 what we had, we got to see an open practice. That's a practice, but, you know, heard a lot of buzz. And, you know, and, and we both had a chance to attend a scrimmage as well. Uh, I liked what I've seen from the spring to the fall, uh, you know, f- with Alabama and what they're doing defensively with Kevin Steele. I thought the defense looked much more, uh, you know, I, I, the, what I'll say connected. I thought that the communication seemed good. And, you know, knock on wood, uh, they haven't had a serious injury in fall camp uh, to a, a starter anyway. Uh, that's going to, you know, uh, is going to, um, you know, uh, have a chance to affect the team in a in a negative way. I mean, there's been guys get banged up, but that's normal training camp. Nobody is uh, going to be missing from the lineup if they have a good week this week uh, that they need. And so I know uh, I've heard that Justice Haynes he he did miss the scrimmage with a thigh contusion, but and it was just above the knee and so, and so, and so forth. But from what I understand, he's back practicing and he should be good. And certainly I was a little bit perplexed uh, that Greg McElroy, a former Alabama quarterback. Now uh, I think he's with their number two team on uh, college football television saying that he didn't think justice Haynes would be a playmaker this year for the Alabama offense. Well, I mean, based on what I saw in the spring, now we didn't get a chance to see him in the fall. If he's healthy, I know they've got three backs, and and uh, Greg's really high on Jam Miller. I am too. Uh, I think Roy Dell's a hell of a, a team guy, and then of course Jace will start. But they're going to get 22 on the field because you have to, because otherwise he could end up in Athens, Georgia next year, and nobody wants to see that with the transfer portal. So they've got to create a role for him. He's too good to sit, and uh, like and William, I mean. I know when you were at Alabama, it was a it was a ground centric football team. I, I, they're going to be balanced offensively, but they're so deep at running back, they've got to create roles for all these cats. Yeah, they do, and and you know I hope it doesn't end up being, um, you know, a repeat of that that year that they signed four four running backs out of high school, and you know couldn't really. Um, you know, figure out a way to find a way to get all of them on the team. I think, you know, Tim Penny left for disciplinary yeah. reasons and, you know, Kamar probably to a lesser extent, but probably more so playing time. And um, so, you know, they, they have to find that. And, and I think if you go back and look at, 
you know, the last five to seven years of, of the Alabama seasons, I mean, I don't know if we've made it through a season without at least one or two of them getting banged up or you yeah. know, missing the rest of the year for various reasons. So they've got that. You don't ever want to see anybody get hurt. But, you know, what I'm really looking for Saturday, Drew, is, you know, kind of like I saw yesterday um, when, when Notre Dame just lined up and, and mauled uh, the front seven of Navy's defense. Um, Got to say, I mean, I've I taken into consideration what Notre Dame was playing um, in, in the Naval Academy, but, um, you know, they, they looked good. They were big. They were physical, had some good running backs. Um, you know, because they were able to run the ball successfully, it, it opened up some, um, you know, deep stuff in the middle of the field because Navy was creeping their safeties up in the box and, I wonder why Tommy Reese couldn't have brought Sam, the quarterback, with him instead of Boucher. Um, that cat's really good. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what I want to see is, is you know, if, if MTSU stacks the box, which I'm pretty sure they'll be doing by the end of the first quarter, um, you know, will Alabama go ahead and just continue to try and run into that stack box? Or will they, you know, allow the quarterbacks to – you know, kind of take what the defense is giving them and, and, you know, open up a little bit more of the playbook. Um, I, I decided yesterday morning to torture myself for an hour and 45 minutes and somebody was replaying the, the Texas game from last year. And man, that was painful to watch the second time. Just a lot of self-inflicted wounds in that game. Um, a lot of missed opportunities. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that well, I can't, I don't want to jump ahead to next week. We've got to keep talking about MTSU, but, um, you, you know, I think that's a question that the fans, I know I'm certainly going to be looking for it is, is, you know, once Alabama gets into stiffer competition down the road in the season is, you know, will they be able to impose their will and, and run into some, you know, some stacked situations and, uh, you know, keep the ball on the ground? Are they going to have to be balanced? I know that's the goal, but, um, you know, that to me, I, I want to see it on the field Saturday night. Um, you know, can can this O-line impose their will on a, you know, undermanned team? Um, you know, I want to see the penalties get cleaned up. I saw a stat that came out in the last week, first part of this week, where in the last five years, Alabama's been the most penalized team in the Southeastern Conference. Um, so, you know, that, that needs to, you know, get cleaned up and, you know, I'm like you, Drew, I, I'm, I'm really, and I hope I'm not setting myself up for a letdown, but I really think this defense has, you know, got a chance to be a, a, a very, very good unit. Um, you know, the front, they should be better in the front seven. And, and I really don't think they were all that bad in, on the back end last year. It's just, um, you know, there were some mismatches that other schools took advantage of against our safeties. You know, the pass rush wasn't what it was, um, you know, two years ago, and that makes a DB's job even, you know, tougher. Um, you know, I, I, and it was just, it's never a discredit to those guys because they were all outstanding, you know, DBs. But every time I get asked the question over the years, man, just how good were Antonio Langham and George Teague on that 1992 national championship team I said well they were damn good but you know a lot of people can be damn good when the quarterbacks only got two to 2.5 seconds to throw the football um so you know they were certainly aided by a really really good pass rush um but you know a lot of things to you know kind of unpack Saturday and um you know certainly you want to come out of that game without any injuries I think it's going to um, after being a, a little bit cooler week this week, I think the heat's supposed to creep back in by that game. So, you know, we'll see how the guys hold up to that and, uh, you know, just get out of there without any serious injuries and, and, you know, get ready for the Longhorns coming to town. Well, and I know you're like me. You pay attention to who Coach Saban trusts to speak to the media. So, uh, at least, I think, in game one against uh, Middle and potentially against Texas, I noticed that uh, – Darian Dalcourt spoke to the media this week, so I would think there's a good chance he's going to probably be the right guard for game one. And, of course, we, we saw that in the second scrimmage where uh, Dalcourt was the right guard, the right tackle was J.C. Latham. Center, uh, Seth uh, McLaughlin, you made a, you've made comments about how you think he's definitely, uh, you know, beefed his frame up for 
uh, his junior, a redshirt junior year, I should say, this season. Uh, and then, of course, left guard, that would mean Tyler Booker. And Coach Saban has, has uh, made more than one comment uh, publicly that he thinks Booker is helping bring along Caden Proctor. So it looks like that's the five we're going to see against Middle Tennessee. It'll be interesting to see, and I'm going to be interested to see, if uh, you know TJ Ferguson gets any reps with the ones during uh, the first game, William. Yeah, and you know, I had this conversation with a buddy of mine last week. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with with Dalcourt getting the start there. I've, I've I've seen it, you know, time and time again, um, where where you know if things are close to being equal, um, you know, Coach Saban does. Um, you know, have a tendency, at least at the offensive line position, um, to, to maybe go with experience over the more talented player. Um, we're going to have to wait and see, you know, by midseason if that's a repeat performance with, uh, you know, Dalcourt over Ferguson. But, you know, I, I certainly think it was with, you know, playing Matt Womack over Jedrick Wills, playing Chris Owens over J.C. Latham. And I think there was one other one in there um that I had come up with but um go ahead no I'm just saying no you're right I mean he's he a lot of times it's about development and he'll let uh, he sometimes thinks a guy needs a, an extra year to get stronger and certainly we but we've seen true freshmen we were gonna look like Caden Proctor is gonna be able to do that we've we've seen both of it we've seen guys like Latham wait a year uh, we've seen guys like, uh, you know, uh, oh, Booker, Booker Blair. was the other one. Yeah. Well, but yeah, Booker, cause JV and Cohen, uh, started in, in, uh, you know, in place of him in some cases last year, not by the end of the season. And I think that's why, uh, you know, Javian's in Miami, but again, I think overall, you know, it's, it's happened before we've, we've seen guys brought along a little slower. We've seen guys. Uh, you know, uh, win jobs right, you know, right away. I mean, Jonah Williams certainly did it as well. Uh, Cam Robinson, they, we, we, we've uh, we've seen a lot of guys. And James Carter. Evan Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal, even though he started at guard, same way with, uh, you know, Alex Leatherwood. So we've seen guys move to different positions. We've seen guys start as three freshmen and, and, uh, at the offensive tackle spot. And we've seen guys, uh, you know, uh, start, uh, you know, have to wait a year before, and kind of apprentice. So we'll see. Uh, anxious to see, you know, how the O-line performs. I think that's one of the things I'm going to be watching closely. And and, and I also, I, you know, we, we've kind of buried the lead a little bit. We haven't really talked about quarterbacks till now, but uh, I believe Jalen Milrow is going to start. I heard he had a, you know, a decent week of practice, not great. Uh, but, you know, and I still think they're repping four because from what I understand, you know, uh, Dylan Lonergan has been moving from, scout team to you know varsity so to speak he's been seeing reps with both uh i'd still be shocked if we saw four qbs in one game but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw three and from what i understand and you guys know we, we kind of re, we rehashed the scrimmage on the last week's show but um i told you guys how i would have ranked the quarterbacks myself just based on the one scrimmage now this is not what the depth chart's going to say tomorrow or what i expect to see against Middle Tennessee, but I would have ranked Buckner number one, and from what I understand, he graded the highest. Because again, when you, when your group scores, that's big. Uh, and then I I don't know how the rest ranked, but I would have ranked Lonergan too because he made the most wild throws and the 75 yard touchdown pass to Law. And then you know uh, Jalen Milrow and then Ty Ty Simpson. So we'll see. I'm just going to be really interested to see. Uh, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of oars on the depth chart, but I want to see how many they actually trust. William to play in a game on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it all depends on the flow of the game. Um, you know, if it's turn the lights out, the party's over at halftime, which it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Um, you know, you might see the top two guys, you know, go through the third quarter and then, you know, maybe, uh, and, you know, there again, I mean, they got to decide if it's a, uh, you know, and if they do have the, the four game deal where somebody can play and still preserve their red shirt. So I guess that's, yeah, that's right. In this that's one. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see, um, you know, and then the only problem is though, when I say that, um, and I don't expect him to change, uh, now, um, is, 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 you know, when, when they do bring, you know, they did it with Bryce, they've done it with all of them as backups. 
when it's that big of a lead, um, when they come in, they typically don't let them run the the, the whole offense. Um, yeah, that might be the the Jam Miller Justice Haynes show in the fourth quarter of that one. So, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. But, you know, I, I, I you know, there's two ways of looking at this. Um, that they haven't seen one guy separate separate himself from the rest of the pack. Um, you know, to say that you know, hey, this is the guy. He's going to get the the majority of the first team reps, but you know, there's another side of that story. Um, you know, th- there's a competition that takes place in practice every day and, you know, how somebody performs, um, you know, in, in the practice versus how they perform in front of a hundred thousand people, you know, sometimes those numbers don't add up, you know, some people do better, um, you know, when the lights get turned on. So, you know, that's something to consider as well. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily view it as a negative. Um, I'm a lot more interested, just like we talked about last week, I'm a lot more interested in seeing how these wide receivers perform. Um, you know, can they get separation? You know, I, I, you know, yesterday I watched a replay of the Texas game and nobody could get open. Um, and then I watched a replay of the Kansas State game and, you know, they couldn't cover anybody. Um, speaking of Kansas State, I mean, you know, Alabama's wide receivers were getting plenty of separation, getting open in that bowl game. So, that, to me, that's been the, you know, a, a, an issue on this team for the past two seasons, especially after uh, Mechie and uh, Williams went down um, in 2021. Um, you know, there's been some scuttlebutt that maybe Ja'Cory Brooks has gotten into the doghouse to a minor degree. So you want to see how much, um, you know, he gets to play Saturday. And, and you know, I just kind of want to see where the, the pecking order is at that position group and, and how those guys produce. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. you got to go out and make plays, no question about it. Um, you know, I, I think – you know, the, I don't think he was going to be in the rotation. He may have been part of the, uh, uh, of uh, you know, the uh, special teams aspect potentially. But EJ Henderson, I believe, has a hip injury, so he may be out for a while. But he wasn't going to be counted on to be a starter, so he's never redshirted. So that could leave a, you know a, a chance for him to redshirt uh, potentially at the University of Alabama. So, uh, but again, they've been blessed without any, you know. T- uh, you know, that's probably the first serious injury. Uh, but, again, they haven't had any. But he, he's not necessarily going to be sidelined for the season. But he could be redshirted. They could decide to just keep further developing him. But we'll see. Uh, no doubt about it. But uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, again, the rotation. I agree. And I want to see Amari Nyblack and, uh, you know, C.J. Dupree. Because they're both we, – we only saw a little bit of Nyblack last year. So he wasn't a big part of the offense. Hopefully, he's going to be a bigger part coming up. And then Dupree's a transfer, so we haven't seen him except for limited reps and scrimmages. And he was banged up a little bit, nothing serious. Uh, but hopefully, he's going to be ready to go and he can be a force and be a, you know an even better player than Cam Latou, who was solid but was never dynamic and, and really, uh, you know, he, he was a, a decent at best blocker. And he was somebody that he dropped the ball some. And if he didn't get off to a good start in the game. A lot of times he was a non-factor. So uh, he's playing in the NFL, though, so he had talent. But I'd like to see a Dupree maybe be an even better version of him, and I think that's a definite possibility. So we will see, no question about it, on offense. And then, of course, uh, we, I, we, I think we all expect Alabama's going to be able to run the football, and I just want to see how they involve you know, all uh, four of these backs that look like they're getting reps. Uh, with the varsity, so to speak. Well, uh, Thomas, I know uh, you have some things that you're going to be looking for offensively. Uh, before we go to the other side of the ball, uh, offensively, what are you kind of monitoring uh, for Saturday? So one thing I haven't heard talked about, I did hear him talk about this a little bit on the broadcast, Notre Dame-Navy. Uh, and I fully admit I was eating lunch and I turned the game on and was just sort of watching and ended up watching the first quarter. But – the thing that I'm looking, I'm just interested in, is the clock change rule. Uh, for, yeah, yeah. For fans that aren't aware, outside of the final two minutes of both halves, the clock no longer automatically stops on a first down. What that's going to do is compress games, 
and ideally you're going to not have the hundred, you know, first team to a hundred plays wins kind of track meets that have broken out over the past 10 years. There's simply not going to be enough time because now instead of first down, we want to snap the ball within 10 seconds of that play clock reset. That's on that in previous years, that would have been about five seconds of game time. Now it's the full 10 unless the player went out of bounds. It's still a clock stoppage then. So I think the games are going to go a little bit quicker. And I think that plays into Alabama's hands where they could play uh, ball control should they so choose. And, you know, what does time of possession look like when the game is still in doubt? I'll be interested to see that. Now, of course, Alabama can end up holding the ball for 20 minutes because Middle Tennessee just doesn't have an answer and Alabama is just crunching on them. So, you know, and su- suddenly a 40-yard run happens, and you can't really play ball control when you're getting explosive plays. But the other stuff, you know, on the field, Drew, outside of that, offensively, I've long said I don't believe this team is going to be as explosive as the Tua's and the Mac Joneses and the Bryce Young's off- led offenses. I-, I just I don't think this team is built that way. I don't necessarily think that's bad. But in the place of explosiveness, that means you really, really have to be efficient. So, you know, if Alabama's hovering around, and you're going to have to parse these stats because everybody but the nacho guy should be able to get repetitions in this game. But with most of the first team, you know, when the game is in doubt, if Alabama's 60 70% uh, third downs, or they just don't have very many of them. How often is Alabama looking at second and five or sec- second and five and less? You know, second and two, second and one. Uh, how, you know, what is, what's the running average look like? And, again, be very careful with those statistics because one 40-yard run looks really, really good. But if you have a 40-yard run and then your next carries are for t- – your next 10 carries are for 10 total yards, suddenly it gets a lot less impressive. And if Alabama fans are going and watching previous year's games, watch Deuce Vaughn in the Sugar Bowl for Kansas State. That guy had that 81-yard touchdown run, and everybody's going gaga because in the first two series for K-State, he was over 100 yards. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn finished with like 130 yards on like 25 or 30 carries, some large number of carries for a running back. You know, not Derrick Henry level, but certainly a large number of carries. And if you factor out the 81-yard run, it was like 20 carries for 40 or 50 yards, which is not getting it done. So, Drew, the actual answer to your question is, how efficient is Alabama? How good are they on third down? And do they play clean football? And this is going to be also on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, are we looking at uh, no penalties, no or few penalties? I'm not going to say no because that's just – once, particularly once people start rotating in, I expect that to have some penalties. Just come comes with the territory, excuse me. But you know, when the first team's out there, few penalties, no turnovers. The big thing with this offense for it to be effective, it's not going to be explosive enough to give up multiple turnovers. How Alabama fares in the turnover battle is going to be a bigger predictor of how this team goes this year because it needs to be efficient. So that's really what I'm looking for, Drew. You know, decent yards per carry, efficient, you know, just generally efficient, good on third down, few penalties, and no turnovers. And once Alabama gets up, you know, 28, 35 points, that might spin down. But I can promise fans, if you listen next week, you're going to hear me say, this is what it was up until this point. This is what this was up to that point. You can feel excited or you can feel concerned because we've kind of been, you know, we chewed it, we've nibbled around the edges, and we're only going to do that this week. You know, in two weeks, Texas comes to town. And while I think Texas has many systemic flaws that fans completely undervalue, on paper, that's going to be a big, big game. And, you know, it's going to be the eyes of the nation are upon Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when that game kicks off in a couple weekends, Drew. Yeah, it will be, no doubt about it. And we'll definitely be breaking that down extensively next week. Uh, William, we're going to, you know, you've already kind of brought up the defense a little bit. You said you were watching the Texas game, uh, the replay yesterday. 
Uh, one thing is defensively, I hope we see more com- better communication. Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, some things people did schematically against the secondary. Hopefully the secondary will be sound. And the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see the uh, the defensive line reestablishing the line of scrimmage, getting penetration, being disruptive, and stopping the run. Because I just felt like there was too many times last year, even early in that K-State game, they gave up the 80, you know, 80-plus yard explosive. The rest of the game, they did adjust and they shut it down. But I'd like to see Alabama, at least especially in this contest against Middle Tennessee, dominate against the run. Yeah, and I, you know, that was one of the things that, that, you know, jumped out at me at the, you know, the Texas game yesterday when I was watching the replay is the front seven did a great job of, of shutting B. John Robinson down and for the most right. part the, the Texas rushing attack. Um, and, and, you know, I expect that, um, you know, the, the inside linebacker play is probably going to be better this year. Um, I think the overall scheme is probably going to be more sound. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that I'm going to be looking for, you know, in the early part of the season is, um, you know, getting these other teams, um, you know, frustrated, demoralized, where they just get back there and, you know, start chunking the ball all over the place and, um, you know, get some pressure on the quarterback, force some back throws. I mean, I, I think having a, you know, a world-class safety back there playing center field for them this year and Caleb Downs, um, you, you know, I saw a little bit of it in the A-Day game. Um, you know, if, if, if uh, you know, MTSU's, you know, quarterback channels his inner Blake Barnett and floats multiple balls across the deep middle of the field, he's going to track a couple of them down. He's just that kind of athlete. He's that big of an upgrade um, from, from what they had last year. Um, even, you know, probably going all the way back to Minka Fitzpatrick. And, uh, you know, I think Arnold's had a year to grow. Um, I think Kool-Aid's work last year spoke for himself, aside from being the, you know, the ref's uh, victim of multiple pass interference calls um, on, on a, you know, weekly basis. Some of them were warranted. I don't think some of them were. But um, I just think you're going to see a cleaner product. Um, you know, it's Dallas Turner's money year. You know, Braswell's got a chance with a big year to – go pro as well and and uh you know they've got some guys behind them that can come in and you know pressure the quarterback and and you know who's going to be that guy um you know that comes in um you know in the in the third and long situations you know playing defensive tackle i've heard they're you know experience exper- experimenting excuse me um uh, with some lighter um, maybe undersized guys that you wouldn't want in there, you know, when it's yeah. first and 10 or, or, or third and two. Uh, but they've kind of identified some guys that are, you know, down around the 285 range um, that because of their quickness, um, you, you might see some, some guys that haven't really made a name for themselves yet. Um, you know, they might have an opportunity to do that in, in obvious pass rush situations at the defensive tackle spot. Yeah, and I, I'm anxious to see how much Tim Keenan plays. Does he start the game? Is it Tim Smith? Uh, I think we're very we're very confident that we're going to see Justin Aboyg be out there and uh, Gene Otis. But who plays in the middle? I mean, how many guys do they rotate? John ja Marion Latham. Uh, you know, we'll see if he's uh, you know a huge factor. Uh, you know, along the defensive line. Uh, you know, guys like Monkel Goodwine, who has kind of earned the uh, the coaching staff's trust. Um, you know, does a true freshman like James Smith, does he get reps? I mean, it's going to be very uh, interesting for me to watch and see uh, which guys, uh, you know, and Isaiah Hastings potentially, uh, could he, because he's flacked a little bit, who's been the most consistent, you know, since the scrimmages that's going to earn uh, their, their jobs and their spots, at, uh, you know, and we'll see on the depth chart tomorrow. So I'm anxious to see the defensive line. I do think the linebacker core is going to be good. The one question is, you know, is, is it going to be uh, – we know it's going to be Deontay Lawson out there at the mic, but is the will going to be, you know, Trez uh, Marshall or is it going to be uh, Jihad Campbell? Uh, and then we you mentioned the two outside guys, and I really like the two backups too. Quandarius Robinson, who stuck with the program, uh, and Keanu Coot. I think both of them can definitely rotate in and help, especially uh, pressure in the quarterback. Uh, I and I I'm, and I agree with William as well. I think the secondary is going to be better 
I think they're going to be a ball hawking. I want to see if if Downs running made it strong safety. Is it going to be Jalen Key? I mean, I I know Devontae Smith has been working hard, Christian Story, but I really like Jalen Key a lot and what he's shown, and he seems to be a guy that should come in with the right mindset. It's, it's a money year for him, too. It's his sixth year coming over, coming over from UAB. He's an older guy, uh, and he needs to assert himself quickly. And then Trey Amos, you know, you know, he's. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, is he going to be that third corner, and how much playing time he gets? And then it's a battle with uh, a senior like Malachi Moore, and then Earl Little Jr. So I think they they've got a chance to rotate some guys in that secondary. And I want to see how many turnovers they they force because they they didn't force nearly enough last year. And Thomas, I was going to let you comment on that because that uh, they just weren't nearly as disruptive enough, and uh, and, and they need to do a better job of, like William said, get back to the QB pressure we saw in 21, but they've got to force turnovers. And especially with this offense, maybe looking for some confidence early, set the uh, set uh, up whoever is in at QB1 uh, with a short field. So on turnovers, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm going to echo something I said last week in terms of defense. Just play fast. I, I've one of my consistent issues with Pete Golding is he was unable to translate what, by all accounts, is a savant level understanding of defensive football into teachable moments for players to then go out and execute in a cons- on a consistent basis. It. You know, how many times was was Alabama need a defensive stop over the past couple of years and Pete Golding's defense would come up short, come up wanting? I can think of multiple times in Alabama's two losses last year where I felt that. So, you know, play fast. And when I say play fast, it's like, are you aggressive? Are you attacking? Are you able to dictate how the offense, you know, what the offense is able to do in many cases? Excuse me. On the turnover point, Attacking will lead to that. You know, are you able to get in the quarterback's face and force some errant throws so that it could lead to an interception? Or, you know, what things are you able to do because you're gang tackling and then somebody rips the ball away and it's game on from there? Now, I will say anything that comes out of this game needs a very healthy grain of salt because MTSU, I mean, they might be the worst team Alabama plays throughout the year on their schedule. So... You know, I don't mean to sound, you know, just bashing the folks, but they're just not not the top-level competition that Alabama will see moving forward. But, you know, turnovers, anything's going to have to help. Part of the efficiency point from the offense, Drew, is that the other part of that is Alabama has to play complementary football. So, you know, Alabama is going to really, really, really struggle if after the first quarter it's 21 to 10 or 21 7 with Alabama down two touchdowns that's not how this team's going to want to play it's going to be very uncomfortable for this football team you know the past few years it's like oh Alabama's down well throw some bombs and suddenly it's a game again because Alabama could go score 50 points if they chose to if they had to even so complimentary football part of that is playing solid defense or Picking up your offense because, you know, we saw it. That Texas A&M team last year was a disaster. There were a ton of issues on that Texas A&M team. But they almost beat Alabama because of turnovers and creating opportunities on short fields. Well, if the Alabama defense is able to do that a few times to get some cheap scores or that team a few years ago with, you know, a ton of non-offensive touchdowns, That's the sort of complimentary football that Alabama is going to have to play as this offense continues to settle in. Because though I am very high on this whole football team, I think this Alabama team has some stuff that you should be real excited about. There are a lot of new pieces on both sides of the ball, and it's just going to take time for those pieces to settle in, understand their roles, and then be able to excel. So, Drew, you know, I see turnovers as kind of the subplot of the complementary football point and the complementary football a subpart of the efficiency point that I'm kind of looking for for this game as a whole. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we want to see efficiency. We want to see execution. Uh, we want to see Alabama, you know, take care of business. And William, I know uh, in just a few minutes you're going to have to go, but before you do, um, what are you kind of anticipating? Uh, I know uh, Thomas was telling us what the over-under was before we started the show and that Alabama's, uh, I think, around a 39-point favorite. Uh, what are you kind of anticipating? What kind of feel for it do you have early in the week right now? You know, I, I think things are going to get out of hand in the first half. Um, I, I just don't, you know, especially with what Alabama's going to try and do, um, it, you know, as far as creating the the identity for this team. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, they're going to come out and, and, and try and establish a ground game. I think they're going to try and create play action opportunities off of that. I think we'll get to see, um, you know, Night Black and Dupree and those tight ends get, um, you know, more heavily involved as a position group than they were in the offense last year. Um, you know, I, I think the defense, I'm not sure if they're going to pitch a shutout, but I think it's going to be close to it. Um, I, I'm going to go with uh, 42 to 3 is my prediction. Mm, yeah. I'm I'm actually going to go with a shutout. I'm going to go with 45 nothing. I think this Alabama team hopefully is going to have a chip on its shoulder. Uh, I know, look, uh, college game day had their inaugural show this past, on Saturday, and, you know, t- two of the panel, Kirk Herbstreet and Pat McAfee. Uh, and, and, by the way, I'm not missing uh, uh, David, the narcissist Pollock at all. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, they picked Alabama to win uh, the national championship. So, I will see, certainly. Um, I thought it was interesting, too. None of them picked USC to win the Pac-12. And they had their debut Saturday and really had trouble and were being outgained at one point by San Jose State. So, sounds like the defense uh, still has a ways to go uh, with uh, USC. But, Thomas, I know uh, we, we're going to talk some recruiting to end the show. But uh, what's uh, your thoughts on this matchup and what is your prediction? So, I think – because of all of the new pieces, I think Alabama, it's not, it's not going to be a struggle, but it's not going to be just this one-sided destruction. Um, I think there will be some frustrating points. I still think Alabama wins, but I don't think they cover. I think Alabama will win eh, 45 to 10, and we need to parse that, though. If the first-team defense holds them to three – and then the second team defense comes in and they give up a cheap touchdown in the fourth quarter, you know, Nick Saban will be over the moon because he can yell at his team. But that's not the same as Middle Tennessee going up and down the field on the first team defense, which I do not see happening. But overall, I think we are looking at something where we're going to have our conversation next Sunday, and there will be a lot of stuff we like. There will be some stuff that needs to get cleaned up. And the season's now on. And, you know, the ideal case, the efficiency comes rolling through. And, you know, you look up and 10 minutes left in the first half, Alabama's up 28 nothing, and they're doing whatever they please. And, you know, if that happens, I'll be glad to be wrong. And that I'm even more excited because what that would mean is the running game did get established. The defense did completely suffocate MTSU. And the – you know, the wide receiver group and the quarterbacks were on the same page and were able to make potentially a couple of explosive plays, which, as I said earlier, any explosive plays through the air that Alabama gets, I'm over the moon for because I just don't think this offense is going to be built to frequently blow the top off of any defense. Now, there's enough speed in the wide receiver room to do it, but the execution... I have questions until I see it on a fairly consistent basis. But, yeah, give me 45 to 10, comfortable win, you know, stuff to work on, and onward to Texas, Drew. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see, you know, 200-plus yards rushing, and I want to see how many of these QBs play, uh, no question about it. I, I think uh, that uh, overall I, I, I'm going to say three quarterbacks play. Uh, if they handle their business, I think we will see very likely Jalen Milroe. Uh, starting and then probably Ty Simpson and uh, and Tyler Buckner. I would not be surprised. We'll at least see two because, um, again, one of two things will happen. Either Alabama's taking care of business and 
Milrow will play, and then they will get uh, you know Simpson some work. And I would, I still, it, it, but I will say, it wouldn't stun me if another good week of practice, Buckner might even move up to the two slot. I'm, I'm, that's another thing I'm going to be anxious is the to see is the order of the quarterbacks. But um, if Alabama's struggling, Thomas, and it's you know it's it's seven to nothing, or uh, you know, or that it's a one score game uh, early in the second quarter, then I wouldn't be surprised if we've already seen the second QB and then you this QB would have a chance to maybe win the team. And William kind of referenced it earlier, but it's going to be, it may come down to, you know, who plays well under the lights, man, which I know these, some of these quarterbacks like Ty Simpson has struggled in the scrimmages, uh, but we've seen starting quarterbacks like an AJ McCarron, uh, like a Blake Sims, they've struggled in the scrimmages, but they're going up against a great defense and they end up, uh, you know, playing well. Two is about the only one that I've seen shred a really good Alabama defense uh, consistently, and we know how good he was. Even Mac Jones had a bad scrimmage before his senior season, so we'll see. But a lot of it's going to come down to how how they play in the game, and that's what I'm most anxious to see. Uh, but uh, that's uh, and and I, and I just think overall, it's just how, how does the team look penalty wise? I hope they cut down on them because William brought that up against Texas and a lot of the stupid penalties and. Uh, you know, Alabama has been a, a team the last four to five years that's kind of lost their discipline a little bit. Hopefully, Coach Steele and Coach Rees uh, will have a positive outlook on that and uh, have, you know, m- you know, hammered it home with the guys that you have to go out and execute. Uh, but that's what I'm going to be looking for. And also, uh, I will say this, too. I wanted to comment as we're wrapping the show up. Uh, if you're an Alabama football fan, though, I know Alabama didn't play this weekend, but I'll tell you what did happen. And that's a lot of recruits were on television uh, if you're watching this recruiting class. Uh, plus, you know, there was a decommitment last night at Jay Lindsay from Patricia Academy in Butler, Alabama. He had been committed since April to Mississippi State. Uh, he decommitted, and I think it's just a matter of time, maybe even today or this coming week, I think he's going to join the Alabama class at tight end uh, with Caleb Odom. And then Alabama would be done at that position. Uh, he would be commitment number 19. Uh, before the season starts. And so, uh, you know, and then, you know, they've got some con- some uh, other targets out there like a Solomon Williams, who's going to be committing in early September from the state of Florida, an edge rusher. And I think that's a lot of reasons why they didn't uh, push for Jordan Ross uh, from uh, Vestavia Hills. Uh, Vestavia beat Mountain Brook this weekend or on Friday. Uh, but I just don't think that, um, that overall uh, that they were pushing as hard for him because I think they – uh, Solomon came to camp and did really well. And then William, I know William would love this. Casey Poe, uh, you know, out of Lindell, Texas. William, I think it's pretty good in your first game as a senior if you have 21 pancake blocks. Yeah, I was impressed what I saw out of him. But but as far as the most important positions on the offensive line, and I can't remember the kid's name. I think it starts with an S. It might be Seton. Yeah, Jordan uh, Seton. Yeah, that's right. Place for yeah. IMG, best best offensive tackle I've seen all year. Yeah, Light they school. need. To, yeah, they need to get him in favor of Edwin. Edwin's a developmental kid, six eight two ninety, who will almost certainly redshirt. He's a Nigerian that's in his first year playing. Uh, but without doubt, those two guys need to round out the offensive line class for Alabama, who's already got three really good players uh, in William Sanders, certainly, and uh, Casey Poe uh, on in the and then Ionata. Uh, the center prospect. So they've got three good interior guys. They need to get a couple of tackles because right now they don't have a lot of depth to tackle. And then, of course, uh, everybody's going to be watching Ryan Hollywood Williams. Sarah Lane got a big win over Lipscomb Academy uh, at home on Friday night. And he put on a show, um, you know, and he and he had a couple of touchdowns. He's he's electric. Uh, we'll see if he reclassifies because I think that'll have a lot to do with maybe how they close out the wide receiver class if they want to get one more player. Uh, and then Jeremiah Beeman of Parker had four sacks. Uh, and then I watched Julian Say and Julian Sand from Carlsbad. They routed Modern Day Catholic, not the Modern Day. This is a different one. The Modern Day Catholic is, was actually a state champion last year in their own right uh, and really played well and had a good team. And, and uh, you know, the year before, Carlsbad only beat them 36-35 in overtime. It was 48-14 Saturday. And, and, uh, and, and uh, Julian Say and, he he uh, he has he really did a great job of showcasing some outstanding escapability and mobility, uh, outstanding arm talent. He just missed on a few deep balls, uh, but still had an outstanding game uh, and really proved that 
he uh, was just without a doubt an elite quarterback prospect. So if you were an Alabama football fan, you got a chance to see a lot of talent play this weekend. And now you're looking forward uh, to the University of Alabama taking the field coming up on Saturday night under the lights in Bryant-Denny Stadium. We will certainly be there. And then we'll be back on Sunday to rehash it. We may be talking about, uh, you know, uh, Jay Lindsey and his commitment. And again, like I said, if he does go ahead and flip, he will be the, the 19th commitment. And we'll see uh, what players may show up for the Middle Tennessee game. And then certainly, uh, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a star-studded recruiting list. And we'll talk about that next week, too, for Texas, because it's going to be the biggest game in the country. Honestly, I mean, a lot of people think even the loser of this game has still got a chance to make the college football playoff. Many believe Texas is the favorite in the Big 12, and they're going to be coming in with a really good football team under Steve Sarkeesian. Probably the two places they have an advantage over Alabama coming into this matchup is quarterback and wide receivers. Though I would argue, even though I think Texas believes they're going to be much improved on the offensive line, if Alabama's O-line gels, I think Alabama will at least be a push and could still be better than Texas up front, and that will be significant. Now, Bo Davis and his D-line, I would probably take it over Alabama's right now. We'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But I do think Alabama's secondary, even though Jalen Catalan is coming back from injury and he's a longhorn now, I like Alabama's secondary. I like Alabama's linebacker core and Alabama's pass rush. So it's going to be a very, very interesting matchup, though, with Sark uh, coming uh, back to his old stomping grounds in Tuscaloosa. But it's been a great episode of uh, BAMS Radio. Again, uh, you heard our predictions. So I have to apologize. Unfortunately, Drew's audio cut at the very end of our recording, so I'm just going to record our outro real quick. But uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of BAMS Radio. We do have a Patreon. You can see it through our Twitter account. You know, If you want to send us a few shekels, we would appreciate it. And we're going to try and start answering fan questions. So if you support us, you can get to the front of the line to ask William, Drew, and I a question. But we'll be back next week talking reaction from Middle Tennessee State. And then it's all hands on deck as the Texas Longhorns are coming to town for a big old soiree. But until then, everybody have a great week. We will see you later and roll tide. <laughs>